Welcome to Operation Retirement Readiness, where Amy and Mike, two certified financial planners, talk about how military members can prepare for transition and how veterans can prepare for ultimate retirement. This podcast represents the views of the hosts and any guests. It is for informational purposes only and should not be considered tax, financial, or legal advice. All information is regarded to be from reliable sources. The hosts are not responsible for any losses, damages, or liabilities that may arise from the use of this podcast. This podcast is not intended to replace professional advice. Hi, Amy. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Good. How are you? How are things uh, now that we're a little ways into the new year? Are you uh, busy? Yeah, it's uh, busy as expected, um, which is always a good thing. People wanting to get started with their New Year's resolutions and and preparing for plans for 2024 and beyond. How about you? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a good uh, first couple of weeks of the the new year. A lot of people uh, wanting to talk about money, which is uh, always a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we've been talking about uh, money related New Year's resolutions over the last couple shows, and we've talked about some common and uncommon um, resolutions that people. Um, should think about, or maybe they do think about as they approach military retirement or or ultimate retirement. Um, and today we're going to jump into uh, savings, um, the New Year's resolution of saving more, um, because that's the number two resolution after getting healthier. Um, so Mike, when you think about savings, what are you thinking about? So I'm going to, I'm going to date myself, but you know, my kind of early memory of savings is the passbook that banks used to give out that you'd have as a kid and our school had a program where you bring in like a quarter or a dollar each week and with your passbook and they'd send it off to the bank and the bank would deposit it, and, you know, stamp the, stamp the passbook with a new number and any interest. And so this was back in the late 70s, uh, early 80s. So you were actually receiving interest. And so, you know, that's somebody says savings. My mind goes goes back to that. That's pretty cool. Um, I went to a, a much smaller school, so we didn't have any program like that. It, it was a, a very small school in the country. Um, and so when I think about savings, um, the, the two things that come to mind, obviously, I think every kid had a piggy bank. Um, so I saved all my quarters and pennies and nickels in my piggy bank. But um, uh, at Christmas and on my birthday, my grandparents always gave me a savings bond. Um, so those are the two things that I think about when I think about saving money. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. Those are great, great ways to save. So, um, so before we go any further, what, you know, a lot of people say savings, I think they sometimes mean investing and, and vice versa. So when you think about saving, what, 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 can you define that? Yeah, actually. So, so there is really kind of almost, I'll say an official definition, um, not so much of savings, but of, of investing. Um, and so, you know, when you walk into, when you go into a bank, you see signs around um, any bank that also has some sort of investment representative in there, um, or you see it on TV as different organizations are advertising if they're advertising investments. And you've heard, you know, the, um, these are not guaranteed 
um, by the federal government or the U.S. government. They are not guaranteed by the bank and they may lose value. So the not, not may um, disclosure that happens with investments, um, because all of those things are true about investments. Investments mean that you're putting money into something, a vehicle. Um, it is not guaranteed in any way. Um, so you may not get all of your principal back, um, never mind any earnings. Um, and it definitely can lose value. We've seen that over the years. Um, versus savings, where savings are typically in a bank product. And when you think about banks, you also think about FDIC insurance, which is um, basically the way that the government um, provides reassurance to depositors, not investors, but depositors, um, that their principal is going to be there when they ask for it back. And for a lot of years, we didn't have a lot of interest, but you could be sure that you were going to get your principal back. Um, these days, the, the interest rate situation is a little bit different. So you're going to get your principal back as well as your interest from some sort of savings vehicle. And that's just one example of a, of a savings vehicle, uh, one, one, one example of savings. So does that, does that sort of cover it, Mike? Yeah, yeah, that hits it well. And, and. You know, the the one thing I like to think about is kind of time frame. Also, is mm. how long and 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 when you'd want to you know shift from savings to investing. And I typically think that that's you know investing is stuff you need money you need maybe three to five years or more uh, later in time. Uh, if you if you're putting something into something that could lose value and you need it in three weeks, you're, you're really making a coin flip of whether, you know, that investment's going to go up or down. You never know. So um, timing is is essential when you're looking at savings investment and where to put your money. So that that's really important. And then the other piece, you mentioned the interest rates and, uh, you know, well, well, you're going to get, you know, the amount of money you put in if we're in a higher inflation environment and you're getting paid less than, you know, the interest rate or, or inflation rate, you're going to, you know, event, you know, in a realized sense, get back less than you actually put in. So we see that today, inflation running, you know, three, four or five percent, whatever it is right now. Um, but some of these banks are still paying, you know, well under a percent, maybe even under like a quarter percent uh, interest for checking and savings accounts. So yeah, you, you, you'll get your money back, but it may be worth less than when you actually put it in. So uh, making sure you understand the rates and inflation and, and how that all works is, is important. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Um... So with that, I mean, when when we talk about savings, you know, you made reference to shorter shorter timelines. As we think about retirement, retirement, whether it's a military retirement or an ultimate retirement, in either case, you're talking about decades in retirement. Um, you know, how do you balance uh, savings and investing, or how do you think about what should be in savings versus what should be invested um, in terms of retirement? Yeah, for those for those long term goals, uh, you know, if if you're still in the military and it's ultimate retirement, yeah, you want to you want to be invested. But if if we're talking about the transition, uh, you know, 
liquidity and having access to money is, is key. Um, when I was approaching military retirement, we had sold a uh, rental property, uh, made a little bit of money off that. And, you know, I knew I was just going to keep that in liquid savings because I was going to have expenses, you know, moving across country, buying a house, needing money for a deposit. And then uh, when we got here, we decided that we were going to finish the basement in the house and, and put my office down there. And, and so there was, you know, I knew I had some needs in the short time. Um, and so that's that's key. Uh, what I tell folks as, as they're approaching military retirement, you know, it may seem like blasphemy, but if, if you need to raise more money and maybe stop contributing to TSP for a little while so that you have money that can bridge that transition if it takes you a little bit longer to to find your next job or you decide to start a business having that money is uh you know key to uh just being able to to survive so that's that's one way you know i like to think about it i don't know if you have any examples from you know your transition uh you know definitely was I was glad I had that money. It, it it made me not have to borrow anything or you know run up the credit cards or or things like that. But um, it it can be a challenge because you know there some of it's unknown, and so having that flexibility is is really what I like to build in. Yeah, yeah, and I mean I think you hit the nail on the head with um, the the uncertainty piece of it. I mean, there's so much uncertainty as you're as you're making any transition in the military transition, I feel like might um, accentuate a lot of that because you're coming from, you know, most most people have spent their entire adult lives in the military, have not been over, you know, overly exposed to the civilian sector of things, whether it's, you know, moving into a federal government job or a private sector job. In either case, it's all very new stuff. Um, so the last thing you need to be worried about is whether or not you have the cash that you need to get through the transition, because there's no guarantee you're going to come out and make a paycheck right away. Um, and there is a there is a little bit of a lag. I mean, they've done a pretty good job getting um, the lag between your last active duty paycheck or a reserve paycheck and your first military retirement paycheck is the lag isn't quite there like it used to be, but it's still a few weeks difference. Um, and if you're not going to be working, um, it's huge to have things to have money on hand um, just for peace of mind. It takes some of the stress off and gives you more options than you might have. You might not, you might not be um, so willing to accept a job that you weren't interested in um, or, you know, something less than you wanted to take because you're afraid they may not accept a higher offer. Um, and, and in terms of heading into ultimate retirement, it's that much more important to have a savings cushion um, as you prepare to, for final retirement. Because ideally, you don't go back to work unless you really want to you know, pick up a part-time job or something like that. But you don't want to be in a situation where you retire and then the next year the market tanks. That's you know, basically if your investments decrease in the first two years after retirement, that's that's one of the biggest stressors on a retirement plan, um, potentially even bigger than things like maybe Social Security not paying out 
all, you know, the benefits you expected. Um, so having the cash cushion to get through market downturns in the very beginning of your retirement is a really big deal. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people talk about, you know, when you're working, having that three to six months, you know, somewhere in there of savings. But like you said, ultimate retirement, if you're not getting that paycheck, uh, it, it can be, you know, I like to advise, you know, at least two years, maybe, you know, even three or four, depending on risk tolerances and, and things like that, to, to just make sure you don't need to withdraw money from, you know, investments that have gone down because, you know, we don't know what's happening with the stock market and uh, even the bond market recently, people that, you know, thought was safe. They can go down, and it, it, like you said, it can it can jeopardize your plan uh, significantly if you have to take out money when things are down. You know, most of the time, you know, in all previous times, we've we've had recoveries uh, of stock and bond markets, but it's not guaranteed, and it's not guaranteed on any kind of time frame that we may be uh, trying to get to. So. Uh, having that, you know, really kind of oversized, if you will, uh, cash cushion um, is really huge in retirement. So, you know, yeah, that's that's something I definitely advise folks uh, as as they're getting, you know, three or you know between three years out from ultimate retirement, we start building up cash just slowly and and uh, you know diverting more from maybe, you know, more investments uh, from their paychecks as, as, they're, as they're getting ready to wrap up. But yeah, that's that's critically important. And, you know, we, we've talked a lot about cash. Um, you know, you might read in the news about cash equivalents. Um, those, those are things like money markets um, where they're they're not they're not savings accounts, so they're not guaranteed. Um, but they're like savings accounts in that they're relatively safe. Um, you know, they're they're based on very short-term uh, government treasury bills, which are considered um, widely considered to be risk-free. But it all comes down to risk tolerance and, and making sure you understand what you have. Um, so if you run across something that's a cash equivalent and you're not familiar with it, um, before you decide that it is a cash equivalent, equivalent for you, you should do your homework and or reach out to um, a financial planner who can give you good advice and tell you exactly what that is and whether or not it fits into your savings plan, not your investing plan, but your savings plan. Um, and if it does, how it how it might fit in. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so what any other um, places besides bank accounts or like you said, the, the money market funds that, that people could put uh, money that they might need in the next, you know, three to five years uh, that, you know, does provide some some interest. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the one of the very common things that's gotten more popular over the years, you know, um, I bonds are are considered longer term investments. You know, they're they're debt backed by the U.S. government, but they're they're meant to be longer term investments. But the government also issues short-term um, debt, and those are called treasury bills. Um, they have gotten to be 
quite a lot more popular. Some people buy them through their broker, um, through a brokerage account, um, wherever you happen to, to have your brokerage account set up. Um, but you could also buy them through Treasury Direct. Again, how you incorporate a Treasury bill strategy really depends upon your understanding and, and making sure you, you know exactly what it means to own a Treasury bill, how they work, when they mature, and still, you know, because they're, they're not 100% liquid. You know, if you're going to buy a four-week T-bill, it's meant to be locked up for four weeks. So you certainly wouldn't put uh, grocery money um, into a four-week T-bill unless it was for groceries in four weeks. Um, but again, it's all about understanding how these cash equivalents work and how they might fit into your overall saving strategy um, based on your specific situation. Um, so you can't you can't work on just generalizations in this podcast or or in any other financial uh, publication. Yeah, and I guess the the other one I'll, I'll throw out is uh, CDs or certificates of deposit that you can get you know at a bank. They typically offer. A, a little bit higher uh, interest rates, but you know, again, like the T bills and, and locking your money up, you you know are typically giving the bank the money for six months, a year, two years, uh, something like that. So it's a, a fixed interest rate when you you know buy it. They take the money, they will credit you the interest, and then at the end of that time period, you get it back. Typically, you can get them back earlier, but you probably lose some of the money that, uh, you know, some of the interest that you uh, would have gotten if you have to, you know, take the money out early. But that's another that's another place to uh, that's that's safe, that's FDIC insured that you can, uh, you know, put your savings in if you've got a, a little bit longer time horizon. Yeah. Yeah. And and something we didn't talk about specifically is you know, the difference between keeping your savings in any kind of retirement account versus just a, a plain old regular, what we would call a taxable account. So, you know, your savings accounts are always, always considered taxable, but you can also have other kinds of accounts. Um, and then most people have retirement accounts. It is okay to keep some of your cash in retirement accounts, but just understand the rules that are associated with pulling cash out of those accounts. So if you're less than age 59 and a half, um, you know, the retirement account is not the best place to keep your cash. But if you're over age 59 and a half, it might be a great place to keep your cash. Yeah, definitely. The, some of the tax advantages there uh, can make that make that a smart move. So. So, so Mike, what, what do you think? I mean, we've talked um, about a lot of different things here. What do you think the key takeaways are um, when, they're think when somebody's thinking about saving specifically for a military or, a, or an ultimate retirement? So I think there's a couple key things with savings. And uh, the first is that savings should be safe and accessible. Uh, you know, based on the timeline that you are, you know, needing the money. Uh, the second thing is it should be, you know, shorter term uh, things. Thing, if you need the money within three to five years, that, that's where you use a savings vehicle versus an investment that can go up or down uh, with, you know, based on value. And, uh, you know, during transitions, I'd say the third thing is that uh, more 
savings and liquidity is better. Just gives you options, helps you reduce your stress if, if you just have that bigger uh, cushion for for that transition. And the the other thing, and we, we haven't used this word yet um, because we've been focused on the, the cushion for transition, um, but the reality is that your emergency fund that already exists, that should already exist, um, should that, you know, all of the preparation for retirement is sort of stacked on top of that. Um, so you've got your emergency fund and then you, you stack additional money on top of in order to make, um, your transition a lot less stressful and without, you know, having to, to restart your emergency fund for potentially zero once you are settled in through your transition. No, that's a great point. So, so Mike, is there is there anything else we should cover on savings before we uh, we head out for today? No, I think we've we've hit the the, the major things um, and just helping folks to to understand that that transition that they may be approaching and and how savings can play a, a big big part in that. Awesome. Well, Mike, this is this has been great. I'm looking forward to our next several uh, shows where we're going to continue talking about, you know, each of the common resolutions that uh, people have, you know, with budgets and paying down debt and investing more and um, education savings. We'll be covering all of those in the, in the coming shows, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, those are those are some great topics. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, getting back together and, and chatting about this in, in another couple of weeks. Awesome. Sounds good, Mike. Take care. To get transcripts, show notes, or more information, go to OperationRetirementReadiness.com. Have a question or topic for the podcast? Send it to info at OperationRetirementReadiness.com. Find out more about Amy and Mike at their websites. Mike is the founder of Next Mission Financial Planning, LLC. He retired from the U.S. Air Force and has worked in the financial services sector since 2021. He is a certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant, and a certified college financial consultant. You can find out more about Mike at nextmissionfinancialplanning.com. Amy is the founder of Instar Financial Planning, LLC. She is retired from the U.S. Army and has worked in the financial services sector since 2019. She is a certified financial planner, a chartered federal employee benefits counselor, and a chartered retirement planning counselor. You can find out more about Amy at instarfp.com.